what were the readings just about? You know, so I think sometimes we just need reminders of, of why we're here and a reminder of what Jesus did for us. Because for most of us, this is not our first Lent. I think it's important for reminders so we don't take things for granted. You know, there's a story, a true story about a group of soldiers sitting around their barracks and they were letting off steam. And the talk eventually swung around to religion. And one soldier who was a fallen away Catholic claimed he no longer believed in confession. His buddies dared him to go to the Catholic chaplain and make a mockery of the sacrament to prove that he did not believe in it anymore. So he left the barracks, walked across the camp, and went to the confessional, knelt down, and began his confession. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I don't remember when it was my last confession. He said, I have probably taken the Lord's name in vain 100 times a day, and I couldn't care less. Then he said, I haven't been to Mass in years, and I couldn't care less. I've been drunk. I've been impure with myself. And he went through the list of commandments, and he ended every single one with, and I couldn't care less. When the soldier was through with his pitiful and prideful confession, the priest said, For your penance, find a crucifix and place it on a table, and slowly speak out loud ten times at Jesus on the crucifix these words. You died for me, and I couldn't care less. When the soldier came out of the chapel, his buddies were waiting for him. They laughed, snickered, and made jokes about what happened. He laughed back and said and told them all about it. He spoke about how proud he was that he made a mockery of the sacrament of confession. And he said, you know what? After every single sin I confessed, I said, and I couldn't care less. And his buddies laughed. And he said, I bet you that really made the priest mad. And they even laughed more. The soldiers were enjoying themselves and insisted that he do the penance, since that's a part of actually fulfilling the sacrament of confession. So they pulled up a table, put a crucifix on it, and the soldier sat down and looked at it, surrounded by his buddies. The peer pressure began to build up. But all he could say was, you died for me. You, you died for me. He tried and he tried and with, with tears streaming down his face, he was barely able to compose himself and just couldn't get him to add the words, and I couldn't care less. The table was soaked with his tears, and he walked away from the other soldiers who were cowards and made his way back into the chapel and made his real confession. And at the end of my homily, I'll tell you what happened to that soldier. My friends, there is nothing more powerful than encountering Jesus' personal love for you on the cross. To see what your, your sins cost God the Father, to send his only son, it cost him a brutal, brutal death. And when you and I avoid confession, we become like that soldier telling Jesus on the cross, you died for me, and I couldn't care less. But maybe you have no idea what your sins cost Jesus, what your sins cost the Father. Because in Jesus' death on a tree, he took upon every sin in the whole world for all eternity, reaching back to our first parents of Adam and Eve. 
And that first sin was rooted in disobedience, doubt, and pride. And when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they were running out of the garden. Yet Jesus ran into the garden of Gethsemane to take on that serpent. And all of Adam's descendants suffered the painful consequences of being separated from God. And as Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they doubted his goodness by grabbing for the forbidden fruit on a tree. Now, where Eve said no to God by eating the fruit from the tree, the new Eve, Mary, said yes to the angel Gabriel to bring us the new Adam, Jesus, who was obedient by being nailed to a tree. Now Jesus, the new Adam, obeyed God the Father when he ran into the garden of Gethsemane and took on the devil. And on the tree at Calvary, all of his spiritual descendants receive from him restoration of righteousness, a right relationship with God. Without Jesus, you and I have no hope. We have no hope without Jesus. But it seems today that many of us are just like Adam and Eve, or we're unaware of how much we're just like Adam and Eve. We've convinced ourselves that I'm fine on my own. God doesn't, have, doesn't want me to have an abundant life. But if you just listen to what we heard in the, in the book of Genesis, they had everything. They had abundant life. A garden is full of life. And maybe some of us sitting here today and different people around the world think that, you know, we've made so much progress in science and technology. So we're just, we just say to ourselves, I'm good. I'm self-sufficient. I'm self-reliant. I got this. I don't need a savior. I, I don't need your help. Look at me and look how strong I am by doing it on my own. Or we just think, Psh, who cares? I'm not affected by the consequences of original sin. Please. Go home tonight. Turn on the news at 6 p.m. and tell me there is no sin in the world. Or maybe look around with people out to eat and all you see is them on their cell phones and there's somebody sitting two feet across the table from them. We're made for relationship. And some people think that, you know, when I die, God's not going to judge me. But that's just another version of the devil's ancient lie. And it's the same lie that tricked Adam and Eve. And a lot of people, maybe even some of us here, are living lives where we are deeply entrenched in sin. And it's led us to live a life trapped in fear of letting go and letting God. And today, at the beginning of our Lenten journey, the church in her infinite wisdom is exposing or maybe re-exposing the lie in our hearts that stems from our parents, Adam and Eve. The lie that God doesn't want you to have a fulfilling life. Or the lie that God is not enough. Or the lie that I don't need to obey Jesus and the church. But during Lent, when we actually pray and fast and give alms, we pay special attention to our own sinful tendencies because precisely we don't want to forget the big picture you know, the bigger story that gives real meaning to our lives by reminding us that we are not self-sufficient. And being self-reliant or self-sufficient is one of the most demonic spirits out there. 
But the good news is, is that being totally reliant upon God, totally dependent upon God, is one of the most angelic virtues one can possess. And at first glance, I get it. It might sound discouraging. You know, we hear things like, life is a battle that won't end until you die. And there's no escape from the struggle, so you just got to put up with it. But we must remember that original sin is only the beginning of the story. Through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, the fact that God didn't want to abandon us is made true. And he never will. He could have abandoned us. He had every right to, but he didn't. And he searched out Adam and Eve when they were hiding in the garden. And like a a warrior on mission, he searches you and I out every second of every day. And at the first sin, the Father in heaven looked at the Son and said, Who will go get my my creation back? Who will go get my sons and daughters back? And Jesus said to the Father, I will. But I will humbly sneak in as a little baby by becoming one of them. My friends, the Father loves you. He loves you and I so much that he sent his only son to go, go to war with sin and death, to win you back. Why? Because you matter that much to him. God wants his people back. And the father, his only son, is a warrior on mission to bring you back to his father where you belong. Where you and I belong is in the garden before original sin, so we can always remember that God wants us to be in a relationship with him because he loves us that much. And unlike the old Adam, Jesus, who is now the new Adam, never disobeyed God the Father. He never let his trust in the Father die. From the dire temptations in our gospel today, Jesus is in spiritual boot camp, and he tells the devil to go where he belongs by shoving the word of God down his throat. And that's what you and I should do, too, when Satan tempts us to disobey. And he stayed faithful to his father and died on a cross. Why? Because you matter that much to him. And Jesus defeated the devil, repairing the rift torn open by original sin that none of us could ever repair. Why? Because you matter that much to him. And Mary, the new Eve, was there with him, full of grace, faithful at the foot of the cross, and she is praying for each of us at every second of every day to turn our hearts completely over to her son and his bride, the church. Why? Because you matter that much to her. It is true in our lives, you and I are going to struggle against against sinful tendencies and the power of sin that's active around us, But if you and I actually die to self and admit, I don't have it all figured out, I'm weak, I need a church, I need Jesus, and we grow in community by going to confession, going to Bible studies, serving the poor, we will become much stronger against temptations. And we need to surround ourselves with spiritual soldiers, Christian soldiers, who are fighting the good fight of faith. And the church is begging you all to partake up and take arms in the battle against sin and invite others to walk in the light of the resurrection. There are so many people outside of these church walls who do not know 
how much they matter to God. They just don't. But if we remain prideful, maybe you think, ah, that's the priest's job, let him take care of it. Then maybe we are like that soldier that I began my homily with, who said, you died for me, and I couldn't care less. Speaking of that soldier, what happened to him? After going to that confession, having a real confession, he surrendered his life to Christ. And he went to the seminary. And after his studies, he was ordained a priest and later would become a bishop and then even a cardinal. And cardinals in the church wear red every single day because they are the first called to lay down their lives for us, to shed blood for you and I. But what about you and I gathered here today? And what about those around you? For a moment, please just look at the cross with me. Could you right now say to Jesus, you died for me and I couldn't care less? Could you say that to him by the way you're living your life? My friends, Lent is meant to be a sobering time because original sin has screwed everything up. And the only answer to that problem is Jesus Christ being crucified to a cross. And this Lent, you will either choose to firmly commit to engaging in the battle against sin and death with Jesus and follow his footsteps by admitting, I can't do this on my own. And admitting that it's better to obey than disobey. Or you will choose to follow the path of disobedience, doubt, and the darkness of self-reliance like Adam and Eve. And one thing that convicts us of our sins is spending time with our Lord in silence. So let us take a moment of silence to pray for the grace to truly place our trust in God and for the grace to no longer listen to the serpent that leads us into the temptation of following the path of destruction in darkness, which is a path of disobedience. May Almighty God bless you all this Lent in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.